Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Skull Search Podcast. My name is Tyler Fornis, and today we are going to start the first of many uh, Viking-centric mocked drafts. Now, it is never too early for draft season, and we have gotten a really good general grasp of what this class is going to become. And we're going to start off by just going for it. We're going to take a look at the Vikings' 12, yes, 12 projected picks with compensatory selections, and we are going to take a stab at really fixing this team moving into 2021. This draft will not include an early quarterback. I'm going to try and predict a combination of what I believe Rick Spielman and the Minnesota Vikings will try to accomplish, but also uh, try and throw in uh, my own flair as well. So it's not going to be perfect per se, but mock drafts aren't perfect. It's meant to be a fun, predictive tool to try and get a sense of what a team is going to do moving forward. We, I had a couple friends of mine, Andrew Harbaugh and Dan Barnes, join me. And we discussed in depth each pick, kind of what it would mean for the Vikings, why they would make it. And we also look at who else was on the board for some of these picks to try and get a sense of where players are going to be there uh, come April and May when the draft happens. But also, if there's a different direction that the Vikings could have gone. And I think both of those are very important. And it was a really fun exercise that we are going to continue to do throughout uh, the rest of the season and all through the offseason. So, without further ado, here is Vikings Mock Draft 1.0. And welcome back. With me today are two guys who I consider esteemed colleagues and really good friends. We have uh, Dan Barnes from Coast to Coast Scouting and Andrew Harbaugh from Blue Chip Scouting. Gentlemen, how are we doing? I'm doing great. It was it was different not hearing Coast to Coast Scouting with me on a podcast with Mr. Daniel Barnes, but here we are, and I'm excited <laughs> to talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it is. It, it, the gang's back together. Uh, I'm doing as good as you can for someone that's a statistic, but you know it is what it is, and you know we're we're getting by, and I'm just excited to talk football with you guys again. Absolutely, and we're going to start with the Vikings' first pick, which was pick 12. And when I was taking a look at this, there wasn't a whole lot available from positions that you might be expecting. There wasn't a left tackle that I really liked here, even though Sam Cosme was on the board. Uh, There wasn't an edge rusher that was worth taking, and there definitely wasn't a defensive tackle. So I kind of went off the wall. I think the Vikings are going to move on from Kyle Rudolph this offseason, and I had them taking Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. He can do a lot of things with the Gary Kubiak system. He can play in the slot. He can be an absolute matchup nightmare in the red zone and down the seam. And when you're using two tight end sets, Pitts is a capable blocker. He's not great at it, but Kyle Rudolph isn't either. And you have Irv Smith on the other side who is also capable. And I think that he would be fantastic. You need a third receiver desperately in this offense. And that's why I want Kyle Pitts. Uh, Andrew, I know you're also a big Florida fan like myself, kind of, uh, how do you see this working, and is would this be a selection that you would make? Yeah, no, I, I totally like it here, and I think he definitely comps more to the Kyle Rudolph type than an Irv Smith type, where is he as clean of a blocker as Rudolph is? No, but I think Pitts doesn't get the credit he deserves for where he's at with blocking. Um, he's not going to be a Pat Fryermouth, but he's also a step above a Brevin Jordan. And that's why you're having him here in pick 12 in the first round. I mean, there's talk of him being a top 10 pick. 
So for him to be a 12 here for you guys and, and your team offensively, it's so tough because like, there's so many other options you can go, but Pitt's kind of, you kind of go BPA here. And I, I like it a lot with that pick. So just to work off what Harbaugh just said, uh, also, I think if you're taking Kyle Pitts at 12, you're not drafting him to block. You know what I mean? Um, you're taking him because he is an elite pass catcher. and he's, he's shown that this year. I mean, he catches passes better than what I would argue some of the top five wide receivers are, even the consensus ones. So if you're wasting this – or not, I, would, I don't want to say wasting, but if you're using one of these premium picks here at pick 12 to take a tight end, you know, you're taking him to make a difference maker. And I think that's what Kyle Pitts will be for whatever team that takes him. Um, however, for me, uh, I went with the alternative pick here um, because on this mock draft that we have here, uh, Trey Lance is still on the board. And I, I know Harbaugh doesn't agree with this pick, and, but I don't think there's any way in the world uh, Trey Lance makes it to 12. So if somehow he's there, the Vikings have to take him. I mean, this is going to be an NFL quarterback for a long, long time. He's got all the tools and traits. Um, and this would be a perfect scenario because I don't think the Vikings financially can move on from Kirk Cousins quite yet. So Trey Lance doesn't necessarily have to start day one, which I think is the situation that he needs to go to. So um, I think the Minnesota Vikings are a phenomenal landing spot for Trey Lance. And I think if he's there at 12, you got to pull the trigger. I, I, I'll be honest, Dan, I completely agree with you. However... I don't think that the Vikings are going to make that pick, which is why I didn't end up going that direction. I think Trey Lance would be a fantastic fit. You already had Lawrence, Wilson, and Fields off the board. Uh, I just think they're pot committed. And if you have Zimmer and Spielman moving forward, Cousins last night against the Bears played really good football. Uh, He did everything that was asked of him, and he did it well. The one interception hit Adam Thielen in the chest, not on Kirk Cousins. He made some fantastic reads and throws. He wasn't asked to do a whole lot vertically, but when he, when he did uh, throw vertically, it was successful. Uh, 10 of 11 on third down. Like, this is the top five, top 10 quarterback that the Vikings thought they were getting. And then in three weeks, we're going to see him regress down to like quarterback 30 in the NFL, which is why Vikings fans want to move on. I just don't think that this regime is going to be willing to pull the trigger. Yeah, no, and I think another thing, too, with Trey Lance to Minnesota is, if for anybody that's watched the 30-for-30, 30 30, um, Elway to Marino, um, Terry Bradshaw was old in Pittsburgh, and Marino was on the board, and the Roonies didn't want to take Marino because they didn't want to have to put that pressure on uh, a Pittsburgh kid staying in Pittsburgh, replacing a legend, not saying Cousins is a legend, but it's one of those things where you have enough fans of North Dakota State in the area and going to games when fans are allowed back that while Lance should sit, I don't think the fan base would allow that to happen. And I think that's another reason to avoid Lance here at 12. Absolutely agree. They did sell out Target Field when they played exactly. Division Two Butler, which is where I discovered Trey Lance. In, he threw a beautiful 50-yard bomb in the first quarter. And I knew he could be something special, and I'm glad that he has really developed into that. Uh, unfortunately for the Vikings, we get reminded that we don't have a second-round pick because they misevaluated the roster and where it was, and they made the Yannick Ngakwe trade. But they will have pick 91 because of the trade with Baltimore. But at pick 76, I took defensive tackle Christian Barmore from Alabama. Now, in the Mike Zimmer defense, the three technique is very important to be able to get penetration and rush the passer from that inside so you can have that true 4-3 defensive ends on the outside. And Barmar is a guy who can do that. He's incredibly raw, but he's got 
all the tools in the world. And to be able to get a guy like that at 76, uh, you kind of think what the Vikings did with Daniil Hunter a few years ago and took that raw player and turned him into an all-pro caliber edge. And I think Andre Patterson, the best defensive line coach in the National Football League, can be able to do something in a similar realm with a Christian Barmore. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think of the pick and kind of uh, how do you think he translates for the Minnesota Vikings? So I love this pick, actually. Uh, Christian Barmore, I'm a big fan of him. Um, I did have an alternative pick, uh, as you put on the rundown, but it's just because the guy, I just I love him way too much to not mention him. Uh, but Christian Barmore, I think, will be just another fantastic Alabama defensive player that translates to the next level. They really, really do a fantastic job of getting these guys ready for the NFL. But I like that he can play a one or a three tech. Uh, I mean, on film, you could, you could see it both translates into to high-level play. Um, if the Minnesota Vikings took Barrymore, I, I don't see how anybody could complain about that, uh, especially in the third round. I mean, you, in my opinion, are going to be taking a starting defensive lineman in the third round. And with these picks, that's about the most that you can ask for. Andrew, what about yeah, you? No. Uh, no, that's what I was going to say. I think the only other uh, direction you might even go here. I love Baymore, Bar, excuse me, Barmore because the upside with him. That's what you want these picks is yeah. the upside. Um, he hasn't plateaued by any means. He's definitely still on the rise and developing. Um, just looking at some other players that could be available around here, like Paris Ford from Pitt. Uh, I, I would love him to compliment Harrison Smith opposite him. So um, that's the only other direction I may go because like any other guy around here, you may have your, like your Jalen Twyman's and your Tyler Shelvin's. They're all projects as well. And you might as well go with the best one. And that's Christian Barmore. I also want to mention, as far as Barmore goes, I think that he could go back to school and end up being a first-round pick. I, I agree with that. Um, but I, I did say that I picked an alternative player, and for me, that was Andre Sisco. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody in the world that is as high on Andre Sisco as I am. Before he got injured, he was a top 25 player for me. I absolutely love everything that he can do, um, and I think that he'll recover from the injury fine. And at that point, now you're getting a top 25 player at 76 in the third round. And Andre Sisco is just a instant difference maker. Um, he's a turnover machine. I, I don't think this Minnesota defense has shown a ton of life uh, this year. And I, I think Andre Sisco is the kind of flashy player that can make those big plays that really turns the culture of that defense around. So, um, I mean, if, if you're willing to throw a dart at a player with a, a kind of a serious injury – I think Cisco is as good as it gets. See, I love Andre Cisco. I just don't see the Vikings targeting him because they don't value ball skills like other teams do. They value consistency. They value like that bend don't break mentality where they you want to shut them down, but they don't prioritize turnovers. So I don't see them prioritizing Cisco's ball skills over uh, the guy I have them picking at ninety one uh, as that compliment to Harrison Smith and Hamsa. Nasir, Nasir Rildeen. I, I butchered that. Nasirildeen, I think. Yeah, Nasirildeen. So I took him. He's, he's an incredibly athletic, explosive player. He has uh, – I think he's better suited inside the box, but he can play a true free safety as well. And I think having that flexibility with him, and especially with what your linebackers are asked to do in Anthony Barnett or Kendricks in coverage, you can use him in a little bit of a joker role 
and you can when Harrison Smith wants to be his uh the riverboat gambler that he is and come up to the line of scrimmage, you can ask Mr. Real Dean to cover on the back end. So I I thought with Anthony Harris bound to leave in free agency that he would be a really good player to play opposite uh, Harrison Smith. Uh, Andrew, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I like him a lot too because he has a little bit of flexibility too because last year I remember when a lot of people were thinking he was going to come out, uh, I heard Ben Solak from the Draft Network talk about him being a nickel, and I think he could thrive there too in that defense. Um, but, yeah, no, he has some versatility, which I like about it. And, like, obviously Barnes would like to go Cisco. I mentioned Paris Ford. But I think getting Barmore and then him, I think you'd be very happy with that just the same. Um, anybody else around here, just from some people I see that we could have, like, for alternatives – you don't, don't really need anything else at this point. It's it's one of those things where uh, linebackers kind of thin here. You don't want to go there. Corners thinish, but like I said, with uh, Mr. Florida State is what I will call him to not get the name wrong. Uh, you get the flexibility with the safety play, and you also have the potential there for a nickel. Yeah, uh, when I looked at the show sheet and I uploaded it and saw that you took him here in the third, I just gushed because he's one of my my guys that i said uh you know over on coast to coast that you mentioned at the top of the show uh he's one of my my guys i absolutely love uh hops skill set everything that he brings to the table um he's just gifted he's just a gifted player i feel like he can play all over uh the secondary i i don't think that you can put him in a position that he doesn't succeed in um and, and harbaugh just mentioned taking barrymore and then hamsa i'm a wild and crazy guy, and I would even be fine with taking Cisco and Hamza and just doubling up on the safety position. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm nuts. Uh, but he really can do it all. I I love what he brings to the table, and man, he's just a great player. No, 100. percent And I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings kind of do go multiple defensive back because let's be honest, it's Mike Zimmer, and he's obsessed. But I think people are going to be a little surprised and kind of how the rest of this draft shakes out. Because with their first of four, count them, four fourth-round picks, they're going to start at 114 with the edge out of Penn State, Shaka Tony. And I think this is kind of similar to what they did with Daniel Hunter, DJ Wanham. They're all different players. But Shaka Tony is a raw athletic freak who has incredible bend to be able to get around tackles and get to the passer. And I think pair him with Andre Patterson, give him some time to really nurture and develop. We've already seen DJ Wanham over the last three weeks. He's top 10 in the National Football League in pressures just in the last three weeks. He'll be able to kind of figure out on the fly, get some rotational snaps, and hopefully develop into that uh, edge opposite the all-pro Daniel Hunter. Uh, Barnes, what are your thoughts on uh, Shaka Tony? I am a big fan of Shaka Tony. Uh, I, I really love uh, – and, and before I say anything else, if you haven't watched any Shaka Tony yet uh, and you're listening to this, go into YouTube and type in Shaka Tony versus Indiana and just watch any time that he plays Indiana because he just absolutely ravages them. So please don't let the Titans, Texans, or Jaguars take him because something about the state of Indiana, the kid just goes off. Uh, but I think Shaka Tony is going to be one of those guys – that goes to the senior bowl and just shoots way up the list when he gets these one-on-one reps with the tackles. He 
you're you're very right. He's very raw, and his skill set is definitely there. Um, Shaka Tony can develop into a very, very, very productive player at the next level. He his ability to get into the backfield and get to the quarterback sometimes on some plays looks like just magnificent. Um, I I think that he has all the traits necessary to really be a uh, you know a highly productive player. <clears throat> Sorry, and and getting him in the fourth round, uh, pick one fourteen is. It's very, very rich. I, I think this would be a phenomenal draft for the Vikings so far. Yeah, Andrew? no, and I, I don't think there's any other direction to go at this point. And I think when you guys acquired Yannick Ngakwe, I think Shaka Tony can be what you wanted Ngakwe to be. Yeah. Um, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. Could do it for a lot cheaper. But now, with all these extra picks, like as we go through this mock, it, it turns out really well. And I think Tony is one of those guys where – uh, if Zimmer's around, Zimmer develops defensive linemen. We've seen it time and again in Cincinnati. We've seen it in Minnesota. Um, let him do his thing there and make Shaka Tony the next best, next great late-round steal at edge. I do want to highlight uh, one of the picks that you had that were guys that are on the board was Charlie Kohler. I'm a big Kohler fan. Uh, Iowa State's offense has just been super underwhelming this year. Uh, but some of his tape is just really, really nice. And I, I know that you took Kyle Pitts in the first, but I actually took Trey Lance in the first. So I would love to pair Trey Lance with a guy like Kohler here at 114. I still think Shaka Tony's probably the better pick. Uh, I just thought it was worth mentioning. You know, if you do go with Trey Lance, taking Kohler here is would be a really smart pick. Give him a little bit of a safety blanket. Somebody to continue to develop opposite Irv Smith Jr. because Kyle Rudolph is not with this team long term. Moving forward, we're getting pick 117, uh, which ended up being Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore. And I'm going to start with you on this, Harbaugh, because you did a really nice breakdown of Matt Corral for your YouTube channel. And Elijah Moore just keeps flashing with Matt Corral, just taking everything uh, with the deep ball, crossers, and really good in space. Uh, What do you really like out of Elijah Moore, and why is this a good selection for Minnesota? Yeah, I actually, this is my second podcast I'm doing tonight. And in the first one, I talked about Elijah Moore there too. And one of the people I did it with made a really interesting comp. And I I now am seeing it with the size and the way he cuts, um, especially being a late round pick. Antonio Brown, the way he, he separates with his route running, he has the breakaway speed. He has that ability to be used in the special teams. And if you look at this year, obviously, production's one thing in college and it doesn't necessarily translate. You see that with quarterbacks and anything else, but you see what he's doing this year against an sec schedule on an sec defenses in seven games. He's got 74 receptions over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. I was prepping for the previous show and that's when I saw that I didn't realize he had been performing that well. Um, That being said though, I, I see the Antonio Brown side of it. I think he'd be a fantastic slot guy for now. Um, with Thielen and Jefferson kind of working the outside role. But Amore can be outside as well whenever you want to have different uh, play designs and so on. But he's definitely a guy that helps Cousins where as he gets older, the arm strength's not going to be there. So you need to be looking for these home run hits. And I think that's what Elijah Moore would bring to this Vikings offense. I, I'm, I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. He's a top 10 receiver for me at this point. 
I'm right there with you, Harbs. He's definitely a top 10 receiver for me as well. And <laughs> when I was doing prep for the show, I also saw the 74 receptions and had to refresh my screen like three times and make sure that I wasn't looking at like 2019. And this actually was just a seven game sample because his stat sheet is just off the chains this year. But yeah, uh, the Antonio Brown comp is, is very interesting. I, I do like that though. And with the Antonio Brown comp, it gives you a lot of flexibility, which the Vikings currently have with their top two receivers, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, the ability to play inside and out. And when you have three guys that can do a little bit of everything, you can really shock defenses and kind of how you maneuver uh, with those wide receiver sets. Next pick, pick 128. I went with the guy who had some legit first round talk at the beginning of 2019. That's offensive lineman Alaric Jackson out of Iowa. Obviously, Tristan Wirfs really took over because he was the much uh, bigger physical specimen than Jackson, where Jackson is a little bit more of a technician in comparison. And he's probably going to play guard at the next level. But as anybody who follows my work with climbing the pocket, guards don't matter. <laughs> now, they do matter, but they just need to be average. And I think if you can plug Jackson in and he can be an average guard right away, which is an upgrade over Dakota Dozier, who really is just your seventh or eighth offensive lineman on the roster. And he has flexibility to play tackle in a pinch because that's what he's been doing at Iowa. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, What are your thoughts on Alaric Jackson? And uh, do you really see him as a tackle or a guard moving forward? Uh, I don't think he's a tackle. Uh, if, If you do keep him at tackle, he won't be a very good one, in my opinion. I, I love him as a guard though. And, Another thing that overcoats because we talk about all the time is if you want a good tackle later in the draft, you just draft a, an average tackle and then they'll be a great guard. And so far, the theory seems to check out pretty well. And I think Alaric Jackson will be the same way. Uh, he, I really like his size and I really like his strength. And that's why I think he'll be great as a guard. But Tyler, sometime you're going to need to have me back on this podcast. We're going to need to sit down so I can explain to you why you're wrong about guards because guards very much matter um and uh I, I do like that you did you know make sure the vikings grabbed one in the middle of the draft i, I somehow knew that you were going to do that well yeah, here's the thing with guards they do matter but they don't matter nearly as much as people think you can get all pro caliber guards in rounds two through four and that shows with a lot of these high-priced guards like your, the gabe jacksons graham glasgow's guys who are like legit pro bowl all pro caliber players who are getting big money you don't need to find them early on in the draft you don't need to take a Wyatt Davis now if you see Quentin Nelson at six you jump on him and I'll do that every time but unless they're Quentin Nelson good I'm not touching them because you can get average guard play with two with great tackles and a great center that's more than good enough they're probably the least important position on the offense when you have all things considered with and that's why you take them later in the draft. Get your premium positions. Get your pass catchers, your pass rushers, your secondary. Those are the guys you should be focusing your team around and get good, solid players who are above average at the guard position later on. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, or I disagree with that. Sorry, Harbaugh. Um, uh, uh, Tyler, I, I do understand that there's value in guards later i just think that the game is transitioning i think right now um like we are witnessing more of an evolution in this interior defensive line and this interior defensive pass rush and i think it's getting better and better and better so 
I think very, very soon we are going to see the need for guards to rise up in the draft because there's going to be a bigger demand for them. Because I think if these teams keep taking these average to below average guards and just starting them because they have good tackles, they're going to start to get bullied inside more and more and more, and it's going to get worse for a lot of teams. But that, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. It values up, uh, you know, differently how you look at it. And I, I actually do agree with you. Guards are probably the least important position on offense, maybe outside running backs. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just I know I would have no problem taking Wyatt Davis in the first round. I mean, I think I did a draft, a mock draft uh, a couple weeks ago where I actually did for the Minnesota Vikings, and I put uh, Wyatt Davis at 12 there. So uh, I, I definitely don't mind that. I, I think I value guards just a little bit more than you do, though. Yeah, no, and I think what you have to keep in mind, too, before we spend too much time on one pick, and ironically, right. it's the guard that we're spending too much time on. <laughs> this is a um, Vikings podcast. This is what happens. Exactly. <laughs> I remember the first draft I, like, really dove into and made a priority to watch was the class with Baker, Darnold, uh, Quentin Nelson, and so on. And I remember – and to this day, and it's no offense to him, I hate watching offensive linemen tape. I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely despise it. The only time I got excited to watch offensive line tape was Quentin freaking Nelson. <laughs> because he made it like Tyler and I are WWE fans and we talk about it in wrestling fans. I felt like I was watching a Barnes too. I felt like I was watching a WrestleMania on every rep. And it was mm-hmm. money in the bank ladder matches, people just falling off the top three tables. And it was just Quentin Nelson pancaking everybody. So I think yep. that's the problem is Quentin Nelson has skewed the love for guards. And you look for that in so many of them. But we're in reality, we just need to understand that he was just the gem and the blood diamond, so to speak, that everybody looks for. And he's living it up in Indianapolis. 100%. And we are going to take a quick break, and we are going to be back with the last six. Yes, there are six more Vikings selections here. Crazy. (laughs) Welcome back to Episode 3 of the Skull Surge Podcast with Mock Draft 1.0. The Vikings have done a lot of damage over the first six picks, addressing a lot of different areas uh, that they need to take care of this offseason, starting with uh, tight end Kyle Pitts in pick number 12. Defensive tackle Christian Barmore at 76. Safety Hamsa Nesseraldine at 91. Ed Shakatoni at 114. Wide receiver Elijah Moore at 117. And offensive lineman Alaric Jackson at 128. Now we are at pick 139. And this guy is only available, in my opinion, because of his size. And if I recall correctly, he is a whopping 5'8. And that is safety Ardarius Washington out of TCU. Uh, part of the best safety duo in the NCAA. Washington is a fantastic player. Uh, Harbs, I know you've watched a little bit more on him than I have. Why is Washington a good fit for the Minnesota Vikings? I I mean, he's going to be a good fit anywhere because, I mean, before the college year started, he was getting first-round hype, even more so than Morig. Um, The reason I like Washington so much is uh, when I was at PFN – Dalton Miller gave him to the Browns in a mock, and I wrote a piece about it. I had to go watch Washington. And what he's kind of like how Jamar Chase doesn't look like he's 5'11 on tape. Washington doesn't look like he's 5'8 because the way he plays is so physical. Like he's 
Like if Harrison Smith had a little cousin that's always following him around at the family gatherings when those things still happen, um, that would be Washington whenever you watch him on tape. Similar play styles. Um, Harrison's contract is coming to a close, and he's going to have a big cap number attached to it. Um, and there is going to be a point where there's no dead cap. And I think maybe Washington, he needs to develop. That's why he's available here at pick 139. Uh, but he's definitely somebody you could groom in to replace that role for cheaper, obviously. So I actually um, am going to be the party pooper, I guess, because I really do not like our Darius Washington. Um, I'm not a fan at all. I, I, I do think his size is a legit issue. Uh, and I think that he gets way too caught up um, on what's happening behind the line of scrimmage instead of what's happening in front of the line of scrimmage. I, I think any kind of play fakes really get to him. And I, 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 he is very physical, and I see where you're saying that, Harbaugh, but I, I don't think that he's physical enough to out-muscle these wide receivers that are just, frankly, bigger, faster, and stronger than him. Uh, and I don't like his eyes when he's in the air uh i i or when the ball's in the air i i i struggle to find the hype around our darius washington personally when i've watched him i mean that was just my first watch through of course i have to go through and watch a second time when the season's over to really get a piece on it but uh not a huge washington fan um especially this pick here i actually thought that tutu atwell was an interesting pick i'm also not a huge fan of atwell but my comp for him is John Ross. He's a very John Ross player. Uh, he's he's a bit undersized, but he's very, very fast. And if Minnesota can find a role for a gadgety type player like that in this offense, I think on speed alone, it's a decent enough value at 139 to, to throw a dart. And plus, what the Bengals have shown is if he's a John Ross type, then you get that dual threat of playing corner as well. So... Really, you got to thank John Ross for the dual ability of 2-2 Atwell at that point. Absolutely. And <laughs> nothing that we want more than a short, crisp gamble here in Minnesota. But <laughs> we're going to move on to, I think, the most intriguing selection of this 12-pick mock draft. And the Vikings finally take a quarterback. It's a little later than a lot of people like. But I really like this option because of what he possibly could be. And that's Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. The big thing with Mond, he has all the tools, all the traits, incredible athleticism. He can throw the ball a country mile. He has great ball placement at times. Biggest issues with Mond, he's never consistent. He's bad under pressure. But if he can ever piece it together 100%, Kellen Mond could have been a top 10 quarterback in his class. He's just never been able to do it at Texas A&M, either with Kevin Sumlin and now with Jimbo Fisher. I like this a lot because you're taking a shot. You're throwing a dart. The Cowboys did it a few years ago with Dak Prescott. People were comping him to Tim Tebow. Dak Prescott is now a top five quarterback in the National Football League. You got put into a great situation. He had pieces around him, an incredible offensive line, grew on the job. And even with Jason Garrett trying to sabotage his career, he still made it work. I think Kellen Mond, with what the Vikings have around him, it's a run-first offense. I think he could really excel in the play-action game, throwing on the run. And 
they won't ask him to do too much. I think Mon could possibly develop into a capable starter, or at the very worst, you're going to have a backup quarterback that can run, and if he has to come in and and a spot starter mop-up duty, you still have the ability to win. Harbaugh, I know you and I have talked a lot about this quarterback class. Calamont is somebody that neither one of us really like. But are you with me in the fact that he could be a really good dart throw for this Minnesota Vikings team at 153? It is my turn to play spoiler. And I, I, I like Mond as a project. I just don't like Gary Kubiak being my Patrick Swayze molding the clay <laughs> with Kellen Mond. I don't – like Jimbo Fisher has gotten him to take the next step, and Jimbo Fisher is seen as a quarterback guru. Um, Gary Kubiak, whenever he's found success with a quarterback, it's through free agency or trade. Like when he was at Houston, they acquired – they signed Matt Schaub, found success that way. Um, Kellen Mond – has so much more growth that needs to have happen. And you talked about Dak Prescott and Tim Tebow. I see more NFL Tim Tebow than I do see Dak Prescott. So while obviously it's pick 153 and this quarterback class after the top six is really a dart throw. Um, I, I have no issue with the pick. I just don't think Mond, I would have very low expectations for Mond is all. Um, I would still be, he'd be your classic type where you pick another guy in an earlier round the next year and he ends up getting the job sort of thing. Yeah, I actually had the Vikings taking a quarterback here because I, I don't like Kellamont really at all. Uh, but I went with Tanner Morgan just because Tanner Morgan was a guy I really liked him before the season. I think he's looked really bad Same. this year, but I don't know if it's all his fault. Uh, I mean, they're they're down both their tackles. Maybe Tyler Johnson was a little more important than we thought he was. Uh, the Minnesota defense has been suspect, and this was an offseason riddled with COVID. Um, you know, it just it, it, everything is working against Tanner Morgan. And I think you bring the hometown kid in, kind of the same logic I said with Trey Lance. You bring the hometown kid in, you let him sit behind a couple quarterbacks, and you see if there's anything there. I don't have anything wrong with taking two quarterbacks in one draft. We've seen Pleasant's got his job. They took RG3 and then they, they took a shot at a quarterback later in the draft on Kurt Cousins. And, you know, one of them turned into the quarterback for a long time and the other got traded. So, I, you know, I don't know, but I, I think if you're going to take a quarterback here, Tanner Morgan seems as good of a, a, a late guy to go than uh, Calamon does at least. Yeah, and I was really high on Tanner Morgan too. I had a uh, second round grade on him over the summer. I loved everything he could, he was able to do. Uh, I didn't like the athleticism, but his ball placement, he has a functionally strong arm and his poise in the pocket was just uh, something that was fantastic. And I think his confidence is a little shaken because as you mentioned, Barnes, those tackles are not there to help protect him. I wouldn't be against that pick of 153. Um, uh, especially because of his success with the play action. Uh, but I think Mond is somebody the Vikings fans need to keep their eye on as well. And, and all these quarterbacks, because I think the Vikings are going to end up taking one somewhere. So at least they have a developmental piece if and when that Cousins move does happen. Now, pick 168, the Vikings are going to need to address the linebacker position. Ben Gedeon is done. 
Eric Wilson is going to be moving out in free agency because he's playing out of his mind and somebody's going to give him $10 million a year. So that's why I took Tony Fields, uh, the Arizona transfer who moved on to West Virginia. Very, very good player, athletic, fast. I think he could translate and do a lot of different things for Minnesota. Uh, Barnes, what are your thoughts on uh, Tony Fields the second? You know, I think he's a fine late round linebacker. Um, I think he's, decent in the run game uh he I, I think that he could develop into a coverage linebacker just because he's he's very fast uh and, and with a lot of fast guys because you can't really teach speed you can kind of teach coverage a little bit but he's a late round linebacker i mean you can't really expect a whole lot out of these guys i, I think for 168 he's worth a you know shake in the tree and and see if he turns into anything but he could be a fine you know, third down linebacker or uh, maybe like a rotation piece uh, or, or a special teams guy. I, I could see him on special teams. The speed's there. Yeah, and I think for me, like Fields, you talk about special teams and that. He's definitely one of those guys where, like, when you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have – they don't have three starting linebackers or even four. They've got like six or seven and they have rotations and different schemes and plays and coverages that fits for each guy. And that's what Fields, I think, would thrive in, where you don't want to rely on him for three downs. But, like, if you need a big goal line run stop, like, he's going to be a psychopath and go right up the middle and not have any issues, um, similar to the way one of the Steelers linebackers uh, did with Derrick Henry at the goal line. Um, Fields is tough. You saw that at Arizona, something you weren't used to seeing in Arizona. Um, from their defense so when he went to West Virginia going to the Big 12 same thing I mean he's one of the best linebackers in the Big 12 only problem is it doesn't take a lot so it's one of those things where with Fields he definitely has a role he's an NFL linebacker for sure Uh, and I think Mike Zimmer would definitely be able to find a spot for him to thrive like you talked about special teams or in a different uh, run stopping role type maybe and the Vikings wouldn't be asking him to do a whole lot he's going to be mainly a special teams guy He's going to play that off-ball linebacker uh, on the weak side. And that guy only gets about 20% of snaps uh, on an overall level, especially with how much the Vikings are having to play nickel. So Fields wouldn't get a lot of work, but they did insert uh, former Michigan grad Barnes, uh, Ben Gedeon, in that weak side linebacker role as a rookie. And he played there for three years before getting hurt this year, and he is no longer with the team. Uh, So I think Fields could transition – relatively well there but at 168 you're mainly asking for a special teamer with some potential and I think Fields can give you that uh moving on to pick 190 uh take another stab in an incredibly deep receiver class Uh, one of the things that the Vikings did really well in 2015 with the success of that draft they took a stab late at a guy who shouldn't have been there in Stephon Diggs this fan base loves Stephon Diggs reveres what he did on the field mixed feelings about the guy on his way out, but nevertheless, an incredible hit in the fifth round. Austin Watkins out of UAB. I was incredibly thrilled to see him land up here. I know uh, those of us at Blue Chip Scouting uh, have seen a lot of Austin Watkins and really like what he brings to the table. He's senior bowl bound, so he's really going to get a chance to impress. Uh, Andrew, in your watchings of Austin Watkins, do you see a lot of his uh, brother, Sammy, or is he kind of his own guy? 
I was just now years old when I realized that's Sammy's brother. <laughs> um, and now that you mention it, I, I do see it. I think Sammy is more of a burner, whereas I think Austin thrives more with the physical stuff. Um, I also think he uses his height and size to his advantage more than Sammy does now at this point in his career. But um, I'm a big Austin Watkins fan. I mean, at this point, he is a top 10 receiver for me. He's number 10. Uh, I have him ahead of guys like Chris Olave at this point. And I, I really liked what I saw in the summer. And then today I watched just a smidge of him when I saw that uh, earlier in the week that he got the senior bowl invite and accepted it. So he's one of those guys where he goes to Mobile and a UAB receiver is probably not going to get drafted or he's going to be a day three pick, but I think he would solidify his stock being uh, fringe end of day two, early day three. And he's somebody that the Vikings could use here. Like we talked about with the mock, um, all the different receiver options we've had. I like Watkins at this point more than I do anybody else we've talked about. So I like to pick a lot for him. Yeah, I also did not know this was Sammy Watkins' brother. <laughs> not even a little bad. Um, I, I like this pick a bunch. I went with a different direction because Master Keat was still on the board, and this is exactly where you find your running back to play for four years and then not bring back. And that's what Master Teague is. I think at the next level, he's that running back that you just plug in. I think Master Teague is a lot like, um, oh, who would be a good Like Marlon Mack. I think that's a very Marlon Mack-esque running back. And uh, I, I think he'd be fine in Minnesota there. Uh, play as a rotational piece behind Dalvin Cook for a couple years and then don't re-sign him and, and take another guy and pick 190 in a few years. It's not a bad idea. Uh, moving on, two picks in round seven. Starting off with uh, Central Arkansas cornerback Robert Rochelle uh, in the time pre-SEC ACC football. Central Arkansas was getting a lot of buzz because they were the only team playing. So uh, Robert Rochelle really impressed me in those first few games. Uh, Andrew, uh, what were your initial thoughts on Rochelle? My, my initial thoughts were the first time I got to watch him to get in there, got tape of it was uh, the North Dakota State, uh, air quotes, game. And because <laughs> I don't know what that was. But Rochelle held his own, but he also got beat. I would say a decent amount of the time. Uh, Lance wasn't able to connect on the deep balls where he was getting beat, but he's a good uh, size, uh, physical corner. Uh, he's somebody at this point, you're taking stabs here at this point. He's a special teams guy, I think, for sure, at the very least. Um, but he's somebody that could develop into that uh, reliable starter, starting corner for you down the road. And like we keep talking about keeping Mike Zimmer around. That's one of those things where if you're going to take – stabs in the dark for picks do it on the defensive side because that's what your head coach specializes in and we've seen what he can do so um i have no problem with rochelle here at 217 um i the only other thing here i'd somebody i might think about going with is daz newsom just because he is he is a lot of fun with special teams on that end uh, somebody that you guys used to have in cordero patterson and i think he could kind of bring the same thing to that team where if you need a big play, Newsom can get you a big 30, 40-yard return and kind of go from there. That's where he thrives. Oh, you're speaking my language. I love Daz Newsom. I, I, I don't think he will make it to the seventh round, but if he does and he's here, I, I think you take him. But I, I don't really have too much more to add on Rochelle. Harp's kind of you know hammered it in. Any, any position that you pick this late in the draft, 
you're just rolling the dice. Absolutely. And the last pick is going to be the, probably the least sexy pick of them all. Um, offensive lineman Jimmy Morrissey out of Pittsburgh. He's mainly a center. He's, in all honesty, he's not, not a phenomenal athlete. He's above average. He's a great technician. He needs to build up some strength. But just on an overall scale, he's a guy who, who would be able to play if called upon. And getting that at pick 234 is a win. And if he can develop into something great, if not, yeah, you took a shot with a guy who's already a technician. Because at this point, you want to take a guy who's technically sound and not a great athlete, or you're taking a guy who's an incredible athlete and is not a technician. So he fits the technician build, and I'm relatively happy with just getting a guy who can plug in and possibly be a rotational piece early on. Yeah, he's what, like a three- or four-year starter now? Yes, sir. I mean, yeah, he's – a technical guy. You're you're absolutely right. I, I don't mind his tape at all. I mean, I, he's nothing flashy, but I think he's a fine depth move. I think he would actually make the team. I think whoever drafts him, he's actually going to make the team. I think he's going to be a good depth guard there. I think he can play kind of all over the offensive line in a pinch. Uh, definitely not a guy that I would rely on to like be a starter or anything, but he's technically sound enough that he will be able to patch you in for a game or two here and there. Yeah, and I think, Fornish, you really nailed it down when you said he's somebody you can rely on and when called upon. And that's exactly what I was thinking about before we started or before we started talking was he's one of those guys where, it's like, I'm a Browns fan, so I watch the Browns. Like, that's what Chris Hubbard is to me right now when Wyatt Teller or Jack Conklin goes down to where I don't want Chris Hubbard starting half my season. But if there's a drive or a series or a game or two where I need somebody to step up, that's exactly what I see with him. So um, it's one of those things where everybody has a role in the NFL, especially with the offensive linemen. They've been getting banged up a lot this year. And I, like we talked about, it's the, the dynamic uh, defensive linemen we're seeing, you got to keep people fresh. And that's something where Morrissey would be able to come in, not miss a beat. Um, and plus he was – as far as college goes, he was on the All-American watch. He was on the All-ACC team. So he's got the accolades to back him up, too. Yeah, and you really can't ask for more out of a seventh-round pick, especially in the back end right. of that round. Uh, gentlemen, as you kind of take a look at what the Vikings did here, uh, what were your, your biggest takeaways, both positive and negative? Did they uh, really do a good job filling needs? Is there anything glaring that was missing? Uh, Barnes, we'll start with you. Uh, I think that we hit a lot of good spots, but the huge glaring need that would have me very concerned with this draft is I do not think we did a good enough job addressing the offensive line. Um, I know we took Alaric Jackson, and then we did you know swing the bat at, at Jimmy Morrissey at the end, but I think the offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings is very, very suspect. I think there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. And, you know, maybe maybe in this universe they did a lot of work in free agency, uh, you know, acquired some pieces necessary. But I don't know. Um, I think the offensive line is definitely, you know, something that we need to look at. I, I think if you did this, it would be one of those classes where it's not going to be sexy and you're going to be really worried yeah. about it going into the year. But – you see what's uh, you trust Spielman's track record of nailing these late round picks, and that's what he's loaded up on. So um, I, I would definitely feel 
comfortable based on his track record of evaluating talent, especially the later rounds. And like we talked about with guys like Morrissey and Rochelle and Fields, I, I would love to get, like Barnes said, offensive line still needs help. Linebacking core desperately needs help. Um, I think those are the two areas for concern. Uh, I don't think you're going to win the NFC North with this draft, but I think you contend for that wild card spot to host a home game in the playoffs, potentially maybe getting close to the division. So it, it's hard to say. It's just one of those things where it's not the greatest class, but it's also nothing that I'd be upset about. And I think the Vikings are going to uh, find themselves in a little bit of a predicament, especially with that offensive line class. If you don't take one at 12, that there really isn't a, a lot of guys who you're going to want to take in round three. That and it's the same with the linebackers. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of guys who you'd want to take the back end of the first round, early second, but you're not getting that glut of players. Like we kind of saw this past year with guys like Lloyd Cushenberry, Matt Peart, going in the middle of that round three range. And I think the Vikings are going to really struggle to find that. And especially with so like glaring needs, this Vikings team is still loaded with talent, but they have a ton of needs, which is really weird to think about because they hit the nail on the head with Justin Jefferson. He's already a bona fide star. Gladney looks really good. As for Cleveland, he's been playing well at right guard. So in reality, the Vikings only need to get one more offensive lineman. But that offensive line as a whole, it's up and down. Like Reef is playing out of his mind this year. Brian O'Neill's been sh- a little shaky, but he's been playing really well and is going to deserve an extension. Bradbury has been playing really well unless he gets bull rushed. So the offensive line is definitely something I wish we could have addressed more. But as we talked about, the way this class is set up, it's going to be really difficult for Minnesota unless they want to do a lot of maneuvering to try and recoup that second-round pick. So uh, I'm a Colts fan, right? So I'm going to apply this question just with something that I'm aware of. So let's say the Colts, they're, they're sitting at 23 right now. Let's say the Colts call you at 12 and want to move up. Um, and, you know, you're going to be able to recover a second round pick. I'm not sure quite what the logistics of the trade would be, but you're going to acquire some more middle of the pack picks. Is that something that you would entertain? Um, You know, would you be happy with that? Maybe grabbing a, you know, uh, like a Samuel Cosme at 23 or uh, maybe a Jalen Mayfield. I think I would definitely entertain the, the move back especially if he recoups that second-round pick, because I think the Vikings are going to value having the two shots versus the one more than any other team in the National Football League. The one thing that's interesting, outside of taking Garrett Bradbury in 2019 in the first round, I don't know if they're going to be willing to throw that dart at another offensive lineman this early. And here's why. In the last four years, they have drafted an offensive lineman in the first round, two in the second round, one in the third round, one in the fourth round. They are throwing a lot of resources to try and get this offensive line better. And that doesn't even include the massive Riley Reef and Mike Remmers contracts that they handed out after the 2017 season. So this team has really made an effort to improve the offensive line. And 
if they do it in the draft, I think you're right. Barnes is going to be with the trade back. I just, I don't know. It, the way this regime drafts, it's very hard to predict what they do because how they value things and then sometimes how they attack the draft are completely different. I think there's one thing you can count on for sure, and that's for at some point the Vikings making a trade to acquire more seven-round picks next year. Oh, absolutely. Rick Spielman <laughs> loves to own day three. All right. Well, that will do it here, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk some prospects and uh, help evaluate what the Minnesota Vikings could possibly do in, in a way too early mock draft. Um, we'll get some, uh, some plugs in here. Um, Barnes, where can uh, the people find you in your work? Um, so you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're all over the place. It's Coast to Coast Scouting. Um, we also have a website. Got tons of uh, content that go up there all the time. I actually have an article about Michigan moving on from Jim Harbaugh and some potential coaches coming out this week. Uh, also have my big board and player rankings are going to be posted soon. I've been like all over this since I came down with COVID. So I have a lot of content coming out there soon, but we have a, a great team of writers there. Um, I have a great team at, at the podcast department too. Uh, you know, we're really cranking out the content. So come check us out, you know, stick around, follow us on Twitter at CC scouting. Um, and then you can find me at Twitter at CCS Dan Barnes. Fantastic. Andrew, where can the people find you? Yeah, they can find me um, on Twitter at uh, – oh, my gosh, I almost gave an old one. I think it's Tanya Mandrew on, FFL. Yeah, Mandrew underscore F, FF, not FFL. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I'm not my own league at this point. Um, no, I've got uh, some fantasy content I've been working on mainly right now, um, and then draft content will gear up here in January. Um, doing a lot of video breakdowns, uh, player breakdowns, team breakdowns uh, on my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Andrew Harbaugh. Harbaugh, like the horrible coach at Michigan, and the okay coach in Baltimore. Um, I actually have a video we did with you, uh, Fornis, fixing the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so if people want more after listening to this to kind of see what we thought on there, a little bit of a different breakdown, um, be sure to go on there and subscribe as well. Well, fantastic, guys. And once again, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you can find me, as always, on uh, climbingthepocket.com, where I – Continue to talk uh, the Minnesota Vikings specifically with the NFL draft. You can also find me at the Real Forno, where I do a lot of talk about uh, Vikings, the NFL draft, and why uh, uh, mac and cheese in frozen two shapes is a top tier food. Uh, in the meantime, uh, yes. don't ruin things, Barnes. No, no ketchup. You are not Patrick Mahomes. Am I not allowed on this podcast that. anymore now? Uh, apparently not. And with that, have a wonderful night. Skull. Joan, that was fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me on.